1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com/running. New Balance. Run your way.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From BBC Science Focus magazine, this is Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Alex Hughes, staff writer at BBC Science Focus magazine. This week, we're talking about AI art. In the past year, we've seen the internet flooded with a new type of art, but it isn't made by humans. Thanks to AI-powered software, anyone can create images based just on a worded prompt. Want a cartoon of a cat fighting a dinosaur? Easy. Need to see two teddy bears in Paris in the style of a rom-com poster? It's just one click away, but how does this all work, and what does it mean for the future of art and the artists creating it? I'm joined by Ahmed Elgamal to discuss this topic. He's the founder of the AI art tool, Playform, and a professor of computer science at Rutgers University. In this episode, he explores everything from how AI art platforms are trained through to its effect on the art world and its lack of truly creative understanding. So, I imagine by now a lot of people have tried out an AI image generator in some form or seen how uh, they work. But what is the, I guess, the actual process of AI creating an image? When I search a prompt, what what's actually happening?
0: I would like to uh, start by a little bit of history behind that. Uh, how AI generate images? About five six years ago, there was some advancement in AI called generative adversarial networks. GANs where you can give it some images and it can try to generate more images similar to what you give it. So you give it images of cats, it can give you images of more cats. So that makes a revolution of uh, using artificial intelligence in image generation and many artists and creative take notice and start using that. However, there was some issue of how can you control uh, the AI generation so, here came another uh, generation of image generators that use text uh, to generate images. Uh, we can debate about whether this is a good choice or not. We can discuss this. Uh, but how this works, basically, um, these models are trained on lots of images and their text caption. So, it tries to understand how the text caption relates to the images. So, when you have an image of a bird um, on a tree, then try to guess what is the image, where is the, where is the tree, and where is the bird. And doing that from billions of images, it tries to figure out which part of the image relate to which words. So now, after training these models on billions of images for hours and days and weeks, if we give it a text, it will first analyze the text uh, using the same way GPT and other language model analyze text to come up with mathematical representation of this sentence you give it. And then it try to correlate every word with um, where in the image that relates to, uh, based on what I've seen in, in all this data it trained on. And it will try to generate an image, basically, based on this sentence.
1: And I think people that have seen uh, the words come from AIR, a lot of it looks incredible, it looks incredibly realistic. But I'm interested by what it is that stops it Achieving I guess more complicated shapes there's a lot of times where hands you know there'll be an extra finger or there'll be a nose flying out of someone's ear or something I, I'm curious why there's certain parts that it it really struggles with
0: definitely this model still struggles with small details. anything that has small details, it will have hard time generating because basically the way these models are trained they are trained to optimize some what's called loss function uh, which is basically a criteria that it try to optimize and usually this uh, criteria is all over the image so I try to get most of the image correct so when you try to get most of the image correct you kind of neglect small details the AI will try to get most of the image correct but there are some small details that we as human are very tuned to catch like a hand with four fingers or a, a three-legged uh, person or, or a face that has a as strange or unsymmetric features, we are very good at catching that. Uh, however, for the AI, it really doesn't know a difference between these small details and any other small details in, in the background or in an unrelevant area that we as human cannot uh, notice. So uh, the current generation of these models struggle with that because this is the way it was trained. But I'm sure um, in the next few months, they will come up with new models that have been uh, trained to take into consideration these small details that are important to human, uh, like where are the hands, uh, the pose, the, um, the, the face, all these are important, and the model can add that into the optimization. So it, uh, the criteria will now uh, capture these issues.
1: And we're talking a lot about the um, training here, which, as you mentioned, is based on you know millions and millions of images. I'm curious what that's like in terms of an energy consumption kind of situation. Is it most of the energy for these is generated in the training process and then when you're actually doing searches, it's heavily decreasing from that point on or is it a constant uh, similar output? Definitely training
0: the AI, these models, takes a lot of energy. Um, you need to run uh, this on GPUs for um, days and weeks, uh, over billions of images, and probably you have to rerun it many, many times to... Um, optimize the process and and gets us factory results. However, even after training these models to be able to generate an image, these models need to be running on a GPU, what's called a graphical processing unit, which is a specialized piece of software hardware that are uh, typically used for gaming. Uh, It has millions of, uh, actually thousands of of, um, processors, small processors, and these are very energy consuming uh, devices. And uh, running this model to generate require that you run these GPUs. And if you are serving um, thousands of users, you need to have multiple of G- these GPUs running 24 hours. And that definitely has um, a, a significant energy consumption and environmental impact.
1: And when uh, we're doing these training processes, I think something that OpenAI discussed quite openly when they were working on their DALI project was the issues of, I guess, biases or incorrect information or a tendency to lean into certain cultures that would uh, leak in from the information they were collecting from. Is there a better solution to that problem? Is it a case of needing a, a list of, I guess, approved content that's been looked through or that covers a base of different cultures and beliefs?
0: Um, that's a very uh, important issue. How can we control the data given into the AI? And that's very critical because there are different opinions in the world about um, everything politics, religion, life, style of life, everything. So we cannot censor the data that are given to the AI to weigh uh, certain voices more or less. That's very unfair. I think AI is naturally has to reflect different opinions of the world, different in the world, different viewpoints in the world different culture, different religion, different political uh, views, and AI has to learn on all that. We, we cannot really censor that. out. Oh, this this will come with a lot of misinformation uh, that we live in. Uh, that's a part of our life. The same way we look at your feed in a social media platform and you can filter out or, 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 or kind of guess that this is false information or this is true information, we have to be trained that AI can generate false information because this is how it, it, it works. It, it really digests what we give it and re render it um, in, in, in its language. Uh, so we should not take whatever AI gave us as truth. It's basically a rendering of what's out there in a new way. It can be valid, it can be misvalid. This is how we can look at AI uh, generation. AI right now has no way to tell facts from fiction. For it, everything is just uh, words. And once we start uh, talking about facts, that's a big problem. What are the facts and what are the opinions? That's really um, a harder thing to to do.
1: I think one of the, I guess, other big issues that's been raised a lot is around the rules and regulations of how this technology can be used, you know, uh, in terms of who owns copyright, who owns the images that were put into originally. And I guess it's uh, the use of it when it's monetized. It's, I, I guess you could say it's, you know, a sort of a wild west situation right now. Do you think this is something that laws will clamp down on it over time, or is it kind of at its peak when it's uh, unregulated?
0: The copyright issue is a new issue that comes with the current generation of image generators that are mainly trained on billions of images. However, this issue was not the case a couple of years ago uh, when uh, artists used to have to use AI through certain models like GANs where you can actually train your own model using your own images. So the copyright issue was not that big at the time. The copyright issue comes now with the fact that you're training this model on billions of images taken from the internet without consent uh, consent of, of the artists or the people who make the images. And now you can genera- regenerate these images or re- regenerate a bastige of these images, a mix of these images. And that is very problematic because, in one sense, it's unethical. In the other sense, is it is not violating the copyright law because what you're generating is usually a transformative version of the image, not a direct derivative. So it, under any copyright law, usually this will not be a problem, but it's unethical still. So this is a big problem because uh, now the copyright issue is a three-party problem. Uh, you have the person who is generating the image, might be violating the copyright of some other artist that he doesn't know about, and then the third party in this is the developer of the AI, uh, the company who developed the AI and trained that, that system based on these images. How that that um, uh, causes a problem? So it's a three-way copyright problem now, which is a very new situation. It's a, it's a big problem, and I don't think the copyright laws right now can is capable of doing anything about it. And there are some initiatives to clean up the data set and, that are used for training and use artist consent and things like that. But it's, I, I hardly see how this will work. We're talking about billions of images. Uh, the, the latest uh, data that are have been used to train these models, models are like 5 billion images, and probably soon going to see more than that. Uh, there are some incentives to ignore this problem. Uh, from these big companies who train these models and uh, from some users who use these models are uh, very, very uh, happy about being able to generate images in the style of their favorite artist and they cannot get caught. Uh, so it's, it's causing a mess basically at this point. However, I have to remind everybody that this is not the way it's supposed to be. You can use AI to generate images by training it using your own data and your own images without having to violate things. And even... I have, cons- um, I have concern about these text prompting as a way to communicate with AI system. Is it the best way to uh, generate an image to tell the AI what you want using text? It is what the artist wants? Maybe a consumer uh, would like to do that. Um, somebody who's not an artist would like to generate an image, write, uh, need to write down a text, describe what they want. But an artist wouldn't do that. An artist. Our, our visual thinker, our artists prefer to think visually, not through text. The, the fact that you want to describe what the art will look like is very foreign for an artist. That's not the, how artists work. Uh, so um, that fact of controlling the generation using text has many problems. Copyright is one of them. But as a creative process, it's also very very unnatural and very restrictive, restricting for many artists. I see it as a consumer-facing technology, more than artist-facing technology, and these problems with copyright is really fundamental.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: They're all designed for consumers. Is there an option or a chance to also make a product that is more for artists and is better aimed at artists?
0: There are already products that are aiming at artists. Playform AI, for example, that is a platform that we developed uh, back in 2019 before the current generation of uh, AI text prompting generator. And that allows artists to train their own AI based on their own data without having. To have any copyright issue without having to be restricted by text prompting or, or thinking uh, through a text pipeline. So, these platforms have been around. Now, I think uh, the, the new generation of text to image platforms are very popular because it's, it's more facing consumers and it, uh, it brings uh, AI more uh, easy, uh, make it easier accessible to, to the masses who can just write a text and generate an image. But artists have been using AI the last five years, even before these platforms, and, and generating amazing amazing things that have been exhibited in 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 in, um, in exhibitions and museums. And one thing I want to also mention that the use of AI before in making art has been welcomed in the art market, in the, in, in exhibitions, in galleries. But now, with this new generation of text-to-image uh, generator, uh, you have seen that there is a big debate about that many uh, artists would start to ban AI uh, uh, images from their platform like in Reddit and, and, and Discord and others. This issue was not there before. Uh, in the last five years, uh, many artists have been using AI without a problem and has been welcomed because they have been using AI based in their own images, in their own data. In It's a creative process. It's a conceptual art process uh, that has been welcomed. But now with, we're dealing with a big model that I've been trained on bi- billion of images, and you just basically, your, your, your job as an artist is to reverse engineer the system to generate an image by, by plugging certain keywords to manipulate the system. That's a very little creative process. Um, the, the creativity here becomes really a, a reverse engineering process of the system, not really um, a visual thinking or, or, or a natural way for artists.
1: We've, I think, mostly today touched on uh, AI and its ability to make images, but it's been proven to create, I guess, text, music, a bunch of different forms of art. Is there, in your eyes, a form of, I guess, digital creation that it would struggle to create or struggle to match humans in?
0: I think most of the content that we can digitize, whether it's text, uh, music, Images, videos, anything that we can digitize into digital format, AI can be trained to generate such such, such content. Does that mean that AI is good at generating them? It can be, it can be not. Anything that requires higher level of semantics, AI might struggle. For example, AI can create poetry. Yes, if I chat GPT and can generate some nice poetry, but definitely the level of sophistication of these poems that written by AI is really very uh, limited, maybe better than me and, and, and you writing b- poems, but um, definitely when you read them, it's very naive, it's not really uh, thoughtful. That's where human creativity is still surpasses uh, AI and will for a long time, uh, writing a novel. Yes, AI yeah, can write a novel, but it will not, nothing, be nothing compared to a great novel by a great um, writer. Because one, one very important thing, AI. We have to realize, AI doesn't generate art. AI generates images. So when, uh, or or music, or notes, but not art. Making an image doesn't make you an artist. So what makes an image an art is the artist behind the scene who uses AI to make that image. That when it's called art. So there is a human behind the scene that will use this machine, this this power to generate images and I trade and keep going and select and curate from the outcome. This whole process is what art making is. The AI is just filling in one part of that, which is a tool that can generate this content. The same thing applies when, you, if you are a creative writer. Yes, you might use AI to write certain paragraphs for you, but at the end, you are the one who have the idea in your head and, and you are the one that want to create this whole novel or this whole story. AI is going to be just a way to help you. Uh, one thing also I have to remember that what art is, uh, obviously art and literature are ways to communicate between people. At the end, they are communication between humans. So AI can generate things, but AI doesn't have a message to, to communicate. At the end, the message that it communicates comes again from the human behind the scene who write um, the novel or write the story or or write the music or write the or, or uh, make the art
1: and is there something that AI could learn to replicate can it learn to experience that creativity and that flair or is it always gonna you know, just be replicating a prompt as accurately as it can and being used more as a tool for someone else's uh, view of creativity I believe uh, the
0: current generation of AI is limited to Creating content that imitates human content at large, and has to be controlled largely by human to create something useful, it can be a great tool, but it is not. It is not yet there where it can has its own conscience about the world. Uh, this is really a big, a big issue. We are able to be an artist or a writer. You have to have a conscience about what's happening in the world and, and you have, a, have an opinion about what's happening in the world and, and your voice. And you use art and literature to communicate these ideas. AI doesn't have that. As long as AI doesn't have conscious, it cannot be an artist. This is basically as simple as that. It can be a great tool for artists to use, uh, but it's, I, can, I cannot call them an, um, an artist or um, a, a musician. A couple of years ago, we used AI in a project to generate um, Beethoven 10th Symphony. And by the way, this was uh, using the same kind of language models that are used behind uh, ShadGBT and others. So we trained this AI on lots of classical music prior to Beethoven and, and using Beethoven's body of work. And then the AI looked at the sketches that Beethoven left for a 10th Symphony and it tried to generate completions of these uh, notes, and harmonization and orchestration. And that ex- that project was a great example of how humans use AI in making something interesting. So at the end, AI was a tool in the process. The composer and the team tell it what to do. I tell it, here's uh, a uh, um, couple of melodies, complete this for me. And then They take that and fit it into the movement where it fits. And and then I trade back and go to the AI again and ask it to orchestrate certain pieces or combine certain pieces. So it was an elaborate process of back and forth between the human and the AI until that work is done. I see this uh, as a, a great model of what's happening now in the world. Basically, everything happening now in terms of using AI is a cycle, a creative process that mainly human is in charge and AI is following the uh, the rules to generate content for that that human to fit into his project or her project.
1: In the future, do you think we're going to see AI developing in something that's, I guess, more advanced but less creative? So, OpenAI was working on a project called Point E, which was a method of generating three D shapes from prompts in the same way that GBT or Dali works, is there a room where we could, you know, start to see an AI generator that's creating full 3D environments or entire worlds that um, could be explored?
0: Yes, uh, and this would be really the interesting thing to see because our, these are tasks that are very time-consuming to generate a 3D environment in graphics for gaming or for virtual environment. It's very time-consuming to generate. And if we have the AI power and the machine power to generate that for us, based on uh, um, uh, our instruction, that will be really uh, great. Another example is when you're creating a video. Um, when you create a video um, showing certain things, uh, it takes a lot of time and effort to shoot these videos and edit it and montage it and do it uh, as human. So any tool that can really create video clips for you, uh, showing what you want, will be really uh, great. All these massive tasks that humans do and takes a lot of time for human. I think AI will play a big role in in helping human doing that. But at the end, the creative process, uh, the human is going to be like the creative director. And AI tools will be more of a kind of people, it's not people, basically more of a a slave, digital slaves working for that human to, uh, that creative uh, director to to, uh, create whatever they want, whether it's music or art or or, uh, literature. And fortunately, the AI is not conscious, so having a digital sleeve in that sense is is, is totally uh, fine. It's not um, it is not unethical about that. And I think a good thing about that also it it kind of um, make this possible, um, make it possible for artists who doesn't have the means to have a studio assistant or somebody to work with in with your, you in a workshop to ha- have access to this technology, so uh, they really can grow and do what they want. In the past, I mean, we have seen um, artists like Andy Warhol and others have big workshops of of creators working for them and doing what they want. But uh, an emerging artist doesn't have this ability. So you can use AI as an emerging artist to really help you uh, create things at scale. And a couple of years ago, we did a study where we... um, asked artists uh, uh, who used AI at a time that was like four or five years ago when AI was very uh, limited compared to what it is now, why they're using AI, what they found as a value of using AI. And we found that there are mainly two things artists like in AI. First thing is um, the fact it creates uh, novel ideas that they didn't think about. The AI look at the world uh, in, in, in different eyes from our human eyes uh, and can give them new ideas. They like that very much. The other thing is the volume. The AI really can create lots and lots of assets and, and images for them that they can use in their projects. Uh, and this is something that takes a lot of time and, and um, the, they have to hire assistants sometimes to do that uh, job. So the fact that this can be done very fast using AI is very valuable. So these are the two value propositions in using AI in the creative process. The fact can give you new ideas out of the, out of the box and that it can give you creative volume, uh, lots of data. However, uh, looking at what's happening now with text prompting as a way uh, to generate, um, I think we are losing the first one. We are losing the fact that uh, AI has been giving us ideas out of the box or out of ordinary, because now AI is, is constrained by our language. It look at the world from the, uh, the, the lens of, of of our own language. So we added a constraint that really limited uh, the AI ability to be imaginative or be uh, uh, generating interesting uh, concepts visually. However, that's very useful in other contexts because if you are using AI to generate something linguistic, text, or something uh, very structured like music, that's very important to have language in the process. So it's I think it's um, we have a long way to go in terms of how AI can fit the creative process for different artists. And what we see right now is just still early stages of what is possible.
1: When you uh, look back through history, you know, we've had a huge row of uh, art movements throughout time, you know, cubism, impressionism, realism, all these different stages throughout history. Is there, I guess, an argument that AI is simply the latest art movement or is, is it something more than that?
0: I think in the last five years we have seen this and I think it ended already where uh, the early artists who have been using AI in the last five years, uh, especially using GANs, have specific aesthetics in their work uh, because of AI has been in what's called the canny valley. Uh, it carries these canny-looking images. And if you look at most of the art that has been generated by many artists in that period, it has this look, it has this style, it has this feeling and aesthetics. I think now AI becoming more photorealistic very good at generating photorealistic images, very good at generating uh, graphics, very good at imitating styles. And it lost this ability to be surprising and uncanny and, and uh, uh, have these surreal effects. So these last, last five years, some people uh, even give it a name. Some um, I remember some people call it GANism. Uh, it was GAN. But I think this is gone. This is already um, as a period in our history of using technology in making art, uh, it was a really amazing period and uh, it's already gone. Now it's, um, AI is uh, coming to become more of a tool for everybody to generate a photorealistic image, a graphic design, a logo. Uh, but it, it, it lost its unique aesthetics that it used to have.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius. That was Ahmed elgamal talking about AI art. The Instant Genius Podcast is brought to you by the team behind BBC Science Focus magazine, which you can find on sale now in supermarkets and newsagents, as well as on your preferred app store. Alternatively, you can come and find us online at sciencefocus.com.